Good evening, sloggy kiddos. How are you all doing? It is November 20th, about 7.20 in the evening. It's Saturday evening, and I have been trying to get a podcast done for you guys, but between being tired, having a bad attitude, not sleeping all that great, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, and then when I come out to work, we've been busy the last couple nights, so... I am doing this podcast tonight, and something I've learned in the last year or so, so I have been a Christian since I've been 29 years old, that's when I really truly believe that I became a believer, and now I'm 47, so 18 years of being a Christian, and I've realized that Sometimes you just got to like get up and get your mouth moving in the right direction and say, God, you are so good. There's nothing bad about you. I know you love me. Nothing can separate me from your love. Even if I'm tired right now, even if I have a bad attitude, even if I'm not looking forward, especially to the work I have today, you are good and you've given me a good life. You've given me everything I need for life and godliness. So I'm going to thank you and I'm going to bless your mighty name. And I'm going to thank you for giving me your Holy Spirit who counsels me and comforts me. And okay, so on and so on, kiddos. Just like David, who we're reading about now, you'll learn that in his Psalms, he just praises God and he pours his heart out to God. And he lets the Holy Spirit of God partner up with his spirit and get his mind and his heart and his soul and even his body all going in the right direction. So he puts his spirit forward with God's Holy Spirit and speaks words of blessing and of praise and of honor to God out of his mouth. And before you know it, things are going your way and you feel a lot better getting, just getting grounded in the Holy Spirit. And it's a skill. It's nothing that happens like without effort, but um, you'll learn how to do that. And it's, it's really good. And it's, it's almost like brushing your teeth from a spiritual standpoint. You just got to you got to do the work and start the process and then before you know it it changes your whole attitude and makes your day well makes you have a real good day and it takes your attitude out of out of the first position and puts god in the first position i hope that made a little bit of sense doesn't have to make perfect sense you'll figure it out god is good and he He promises to give all these things to you and assist you every step of the way. All right. Let's get to reading, shall we? And I'm going to call this the exciting conclusion of the book of 1 Samuel. We have gone start to finish on this thing. And uh, I have really enjoyed reading it to you going over the story of David 
probably in the most detail I ever have. I just got to tell you, kiddos, that reading out loud to you guys is really good for me because not only do I get to read the words, but I get to hear them out loud through my own ears as I say them. And it's just the difference of reading quietly versus hearing something spoken to you. So maybe down the road, you guys can try it out doing your own podcast. All right. First Samuel 29. But what there first uh, chapter 28 was very very remarkable because Saul went to a medium, a necromancer, somebody who can talk to those not in the land of the living anymore and sure enough they apparently talked to Samuel who had died was it a fake Samuel it doesn't sound like it because Samuel knew Saul or the ghost of Samuel or the spirit of Samuel knew Saul and he knew all about what was going to happen to him even the next day so poor old Saul, he's at the end of his rope, very stressed out. Samuel, or the spirit of Samuel, delivers him very, very bad news. Oh yeah, by the way, I'm here at CCP, and I'm in the old control room, so if you hear some background noise or static or whatever, that was the phone ringing there. Um, There's a lot of fans running. And you can hear the rumble of the plant in the old control room that we used about four or five years ago. Now it's all empty and we've moved into our new super bulletproof control room. Anyways, if it sounds a little different, that's because there's a lot of fans running and there's some rumbling from the plant. Okay, well anyways, Saul got really bad news from... Samuel in this medium to the point where he won't eat but the medium and his servants cook him a meal and he ate some food and then went away so all right chapter 29 first Samuel now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Ashish, the commanders of the Philistines said, What are the Hebrews doing here? And Ashish said to the commanders of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years, And since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back, that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to the battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads 
of the men here. Is not this David of whom they sing to one another in dances? Quote, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands? Then Ashish called David and said to him, As the Lord lives, you have been honest, and to me it seems right that you should march out and in with me in the campaign. For I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Ashish, But what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now, that I may not go out and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? And Ashish answered David and said, I know that you were as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to the battle. Now then, rise early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you, and start early in the morning, and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. But the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Alright, chapter 30. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. Oh, this is bad news, you guys. David leaves his town for a little bit and another enemy nation swoops in and raids them. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Okay, let's stop there a second, you guys. So, David marches out towards the battlefield with Ashish, the king of the Philistines, and takes all of his men with him. But then the army of the Philistines said, Oh no, Ashish, think about this a second. David could easily just turn on us and and reconcile himself to his to his original lord, who is Saul, kill us all, and then 
get back into Saul's good graces. So, no. Send him out of here. We don't need this this unknown, this wild card David who may turn on us. So David obeys and goes back to Ziklag, the town that Ashish had given to him. And what happened there? Well, okay, so now everybody, all of the men and children have been taken away by another enemy. So how do you think David's men felt towards him? I, I am thinking that they were probably something like, David, we told you so. We shouldn't have gone to try and fight against Israel and Saul. And look what happens. God is punishing us because we went to be traitors against our, our old, our, our people and our nation. Yeah, I know Saul's crazy, but this is what happens, David, when you uh, go against our, our nation and go against Saul. So, what did David do? Did he pine and cry and whine and have a bad attitude and say, Oh, you're right. I shouldn't be king. I made a bad choice. No, David strengthened himself in his God. I'm sorry, let me read that again. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So, kind of like what I was talking about earlier here he he's he strengthened himself he chose to have a good attitude and remind himself of the good things of God and find strength in God and believe that God was going to make it right all right verse 7 and David said to Abiathar the priest the son of Ahimelech bring me the ephod remember the ephod was some kind of holy object maybe the priest's like garment or sash or something that helped them hear from God so Abiathar brought the ephod to David and David inquired of the Lord shall I pursue after this band the band of raiders shall I overtake them He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out, and the six hundred men who were with him, and they came to the brook Bezer, B-E-S-O-R, Besor, I'll say, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook Besor. Verse 11. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. They gave him water to drink and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, 
and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negeb of the Cherethites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negeb of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band, band of raiders? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped, except four hundred young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him, and said, This is David's spoil. Okay, stop right there, kiddos. So, did David get back everything that had been taken from Ziklag? Yes. All the people, every small thing, every big thing, nothing was lost. But what else did David get? Well, David also got all the stuff that the Amalekites had taken from the Cherethites. I'm not sure who they were. And against the Negeb of Caleb, which was outside of Ziklag. And everything else that the Amalekites had taken in the raid besides what they had taken from Ziklag. So not only did he get his own stuff returned to him, he got a bunch of other plunder or spoil from the land of the Philistines. So, yeah, he got things taken from him, but when he went and retrie retrieved his own stuff, he got back a bunch of things that wasn't that weren't even his. Okay, verse 21. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook Besor. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. Oh, so the, okay, we'll stop there. So these wicked and worthless fellows, among the men that David had gone down with David, didn't want to give any of the people who didn't go fight anything back except their wives and children. 
doesn't say how many wicked and worthless fellows there were. Might have only been two. Might have been a whole bunch. Who knows? But they had a voice. And they had a voice amongst their whole group. And there was an idea, this idea not to give them anything. Okay, verse 23. But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share, for as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. Okay, so let's think about that. So there were people who stayed behind because they were too tired, too exhausted to cross the brook Besor and go fight. But they stayed with the baggage and they kept other people from raiding you know, everything in their camp. Which was a good thing. They were still serving um, David, you know, the, the army. They just didn't go into battle. And let's just say it was two people spoke up and said, well, these people didn't go and fight, so they're not going to get any of the spoil. Well, David said, nope, that's, that's not going to happen. These guys didn't totally desert. They stayed they stayed behind with, with the camp, and that's fine. And they get to share in all the spoil. And he made it a statute, or he made it a law, which is significant. God, God found that noteworthy to mention that. So let's, I don't, you know, let's just think about that. File that in your little mental cabinet there, and. Who knows? Maybe God will remind you of that another time. All right, verse 26. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It was for those in Bethel, in Ramoth of the Negev, in Jatir, in Eroer, in Sifmoth, in Esh, Eshtimoa, in Rakal, in the cities of the Jeremielites, in the cities of the Kenites, in Horma, in Borashan, in, in Attach, Atat, I can't say that word, I'm sorry kiddos, Athach, I'll call it Athach, another town in Hebron, for all the places where David and his men had roamed. Okay, so I'm sorry I didn't read that too smoothly. David comes back to Ziklag with all of this spoil from the enemies, including the stuff that had been taken from Ziklag. And then he sent some of the spoil to all these towns where him and his men had roamed, where people had kind of taken him in and been friendly to him. 
So David is reaching back out to these towns with treasure that may or may not have been raided by the Amalekites, but he, he sent things to them in maybe restoration or maybe just thanks. You know, thanks for giving us a place to stay and not tattletailing on us to Saul and turning us in. So David is revisiting their kindness with uh, with these gifts. All right, chapter 31, last chapter of the book. Verse 1. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Okay, let's stop right there. I'm going to totally take you to a different chapter of the Bible. But you've heard it a bunch of times, so I want to remind you of it. So, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about your unseen armor, kind of like the armor in the other book that we're going to finish here someday. Um, what's the name of that? Help me out here, kiddos. The, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Oh, come on now. Anyways, the kids that go into... Um, somebody... I'm sure somebody knows and I'm just drawing a blank in my brain. I could see the picture at the front of the book. Anyways, they get their spiritual armor. What, what part of your spiritual armor can block all of the fiery arrows or all of the fiery darts of the wicked one? That's your shield of faith, right? And we live this life in faith. Faith requires us to believe in things that we don't see and to take action towards God's solutions even when, we, even when they're not guaranteed with our eyes or our ears or things that we can touch and feel. We have to walk forward and take action in faith including putting on our spiritual armor with all of those principles and coverings and um, our things like our shield of faith and our helm of salvation and our breastplate of righteousness that Jesus gives us. No righteousness of our own, but it's His righteousness that protects us. So, Saul's earthly armor fails him. And I'm just wondering if his shield of faith and his breastplate of righteousness in the heavenly realms could have helped him stay out of the situation where his earthly shield and his earthly breastplate failed him. All right. Sorry about that. I'm not sorry about that. Thank you for bearing with me through that little 
excursion into Ephesians 6. Okay, 1 Samuel 31, verse 3. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men, on the same day together. And when the men of Israel, who were on the other side of the valley, and those beyond the Jordan, saw that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. Verse 8. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head and stripped off, stripped off his armor and sent messengers through the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Beth Shan. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took his body and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Beth Shan. And they came to to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days. All right, that's the end of chapter 31. That's the end of the book of 1 Samuel. And you guys, that is a very sad, morbid, downcasting, depressing end of Saul and his three sons, one of which was pretty cool guy, Jonathan, best friend with David. Guys, this is super sad. This is, this is not a good ending. This is a violent, bloody, disgusting victory for the Philistines. And they humiliated the... Um, they humiliated Judah by cutting off the head of the king and taking them, taking his body into their land and, and tying it to a wall to make a public spectacle out of the king of Judah. Horrible, terrible, shameful victory by the enemy of God. But... Saul had been told about it. Um, it's bad news. 
So God doesn't spare us these gory, nasty pictures of defeat of a king that he had taken his presence away from and taken away the kingship from him. Uh, shouldn't ever bring us joy to hear about people being defeated or harm coming to anybody. And Jesus tells us to pray for those who persecute us and to bless those who curse us. And you guys, it's not because Jesus wants us to be weaklings. Um, Jesus doesn't give us any... He makes no provision for the flesh. But when we bless our enemies, when we bless those who curse us and pray for those who persecute us, we get victory in the heavenly realms. And that's the only place that victory matters. Jesus says, don't worry about people who can kill your body. Worry about your what can happen to your eternal spirit. And only God can do anything to your eternal spirit. But it's your choice of what, what happens to your eternal spirit. So guys, the battle, go back to Ephesians chapter 6. For we don't, we do not fight against um, the flesh and blood, but we fight against uh, all the things in the heavenly realms. I'm paraphrasing that verse, but you've heard it before. So anyways, poor old Saul made some really bad choices, chose his pride and his rebellion, and um, let his soul guide him instead of God's Spirit, whom he had access to, but gave up. He quit listening to God, so God said, okay, I'm, I'm taking my presence away from you. So, kiddos, always seek to be in the presence of God. And David, in his Psalms, which you guys will read Psalms, um, I'm going to look one up here really quick. David says in Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So here's one way you can spend time with God. You can go through his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So don't be like Saul, but raise up your voice with thanksgiving and praise. And that's one way you can draw closer to God. You do that through His Spirit in the heavenly realms. I was reading from Psalm 100, verse 4. Okay. There's another cool thing about Psalm 100. I think it's like somewhere in Psalm 100. You guys need to check me on this. Look it up. Have Mommy look it up for you. But I think like Psalm 100 is the very middle place in the Bible 
Like if there's 16,000 verses, 16,000 in some however many verses, Psalm 100 is like right in the middle of that, like at verse 8,000 and something. So just some Bible trivia, kind of neat. But I'm sure it's significant. God knows everything. God knows everything. And if he wanted Psalm 100 to be the middle of the Bible for a certain reason, then I just think that's cool and worth mentioning. Okay, so the book of 1 Samuel ends in a very, very low note. So sad to see Saul get defeated and killed by the by his enemies and also Jonathan get killed. Uh, but next time we'll start reading book of 2 Samuel. Hopefully things will turn around here. We'll see what happens. Alright kiddos, I'm so glad I've got to read the Bible to you guys. It's God's Word. It's really cool, exciting stuff. There's so many different layers of meaning and things that you can look into that that God uh, gives to us. All these different, all the different names of the towns and the names of the people have meanings behind them, and they all have their own little stories behind them. There's no end to studying the Bible and all the meaning behind it and everything God wants to show you in there. It's just cool. All the parallels between Saul, Saul in the flesh, and what we're to do with our spiritual armor so we don't fall like like Saul did. And guys, I don't know. I, I didn't go to Bible school. I've only studied the Bible a little bit. Don't think that I know everything. Please don't think that. But you always learn stuff. God will teach you things from Him to you, from His Holy Spirit to you, if you just read the Bible. You don't have to go to Bible college or sit in a lot of sermons. You still get good things if you do that. But God will teach you through His Holy Spirit if you sit down and read the Bible. All right. It's 8 o'clock. I told Mommy I'd be done with this podcast by 8. I'm a little tiny bit late. Sorry, Mommy. I love you. I love all you kiddos. I want to say, I want to speak as your earthly father. Your Father in Heaven loves you. He made you for a purpose. And nothing can separate you from His love that He gives you through Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And if anything ever tells you, anyone or anybody else ever tells you differently, you just say, nope, I reject that. I don't receive that. My Father in Heaven loves me and nothing can separate me from Him because I have Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He would do anything. He's already done everything for me. There's nothing more He can do for me to show me that He loves me because He already gave me His only begotten Son to pay for my sins so that I can be with Him in Heaven for all eternity. So, 
that's that, kiddos. I love you all very much. Hope you have a great night. And I'll see you soon. It's, uh, what is this, Saturday night? Yeah, I'll be seeing you here in a few days. Okay, love you. Night-night.